Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy here. And I hope all is well as I get things up and running for you guys. I know things are a little hectic and running late, but hopefully... Uh, this is all going to work out for us. Uh, I'm going to do one or two quick things to see if I can make sure that we're good to go. And number one is... I apologize. Probably should have done some of this. I was too concerned about trying to get up and running too quickly. And hopefully, now I will be all good to go. Give me two All right. <laughs> Welcome in everyone, yes, as you can see, the claw, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I've seen better days, that's for sure, um, <laughs> alright, I will tell you guys all about the arm, let me uh, let me get a few things going, and first let's start by, uh, somebody has to clarify with me that everything looks and sounds about as good as it can, uh, this, of course, is being a little bit of a uh, is a rival disc golf trying to take out Smashbox. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um, but <clears throat> I do want to make sure that everything sounds as, as good as it possibly can. So hopefully Tommy is saying it said looks and sounds good. So I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, if you haven't noticed already, not a normal show. Johnny V contacted me earlier today. First of all, I'm not back in Wisconsin. I'm staying out on the West Coast because, of course, next weekend is we're going to have um, we're going to have broadcasting the preserve, and I am in the booth for the preserve next weekend, and so I didn't venture all the way back to Wisconsin. But uh, tonight it's going to be just me. Johnny V told me earlier today that his internet was not healthy. I guess yeah, we'll use that as a good word. Uh, internet not necessarily healthy and working as well as it should have been. So. Uh, he said that he was just going to stand down. I, at that point, had to contact one Gannon Burr 
and let Gannon know that it would probably be too much of a lift for me to get everything figured out. As you can see, I have enough of my challenges uh, working alone. So uh, Gannon was gracious enough to say that he was going to be able to carve out some time and join me tonight, but ends up not being the case. So you're going to get a very basic podcast, and I'm going to try and break down everything that I can for what you guys saw this weekend as I head over to UDisc Live, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what we saw over at the Des Moines Challenge. Everyone's getting ready for this weekend's Preserve Championship. I'll talk about that in just a moment uh, once I wrap up things for the Preserve. So I'm going to go back and take a look. And yes, when I'm, I'm running the show, things are a little bit uh, more basic. Let's see here. I want to start. I'm going to start on the FPO side. Uh, of course, if, if somehow you're under a rock, maybe you didn't know what all went down this weekend, but it was the challenge of the weather. And we couldn't ultimately get all of our rounds in on the MPO side. The FPO round had just gotten started. Actually, the very first time that it was called on Saturday morning. Round one was fine. Round one was great. Round two, Saturday morning, our FPO lead card was just about able to tee off, and then all of a sudden it had to be called. Then I think they got six holes in. I think it was six. Is that the first time? At any point, there was a delay. Then they got pulled off the course. Then they played just a few more holes. I think it was like seven, eight, nine. Then they got pulled off the course ultimately uh, for the rest of the day. Uh, that's with regard to the FPO lead card anyway. Then there was a lot of com uh, contemplation, conversation that all took place. And it was ultimately decided that 27 holes would get played on Sunday for the FPO division. They'd come, well, just the lead card had 27 holes to play. They would come back out. They would play Sunday morning very early. And then they would play their 18-hole round, round three. And then the men at that point had no choice but to just play 18 holes and that they would have a two-round two tournament. So if you were living under a rock and somehow didn't know everything that went on, that's how this weekend unfolded in Des Moines. And it was madness. Um, you know, I'll, I'll save a lot of my editorial stuff uh, for now, but the long and short of it is that I'm aware that the Disc Golf Pro Tour is utilizing some of the same services that the NFL, I think PGA and MLB all use when it comes, uh, when it comes to weather conditions and uh, forecasts and things of that nature. So safety is paramount and I can't say it enough and I, and I understand that it seems frustrating if there isn't rain or there isn't lightning that you're seeing but what you also have to realize is how many of these storms can and continue to pop up out of nowhere with regard to various pressures and, and the humidity and all the other conditions that were going on. Things that weren't on our radar one minute, 10 minutes later was this big nasty cell or band or something of that nature. And that's where the consulting with these professionals came into play along with all the programs that were used and the fact that uh, there were... I think one, there was one meteorologist literally on site that was part of it. And then there was another meteorologist that I guess we essentially have on call at all times as well, or, or in, have access to, maybe not on call, but at least have access to. So when it's talked about in terms of who's being consulted, who knows best, it's not 
the guy or girl uh, a few hours or on the other side of the country away. All right? It's it's not them. It's going to be the staff and the crew that we have. And I've said it countless times throughout the years. Could you fathom, could you absolutely fathom something terrible happening just once? Um, a player getting struck by lightning, uh, lightning hitting a tree or a basket, and then somehow directly impacting a player just once. And then you know what gets said how in the world did they let that happen? How did they not prevent that? How did they not pull everyone off the course? So um, I, I just have to say that, you know, the crew and the staff know what they're doing and preventative uh, care in, in this case or preventative measures are so that you're not stuck behind the eight ball, so that you're not in a pinch, so that you're not then forced into an emergency and I know it, it sucks, and it seems boring and not um, not best for fans, but let's be real. We have to do what's best for the players, and we have to do what's best uh, for everyone on site, including staff, crew, volunteers. You know, heaven forbid something happened to a player, and, and the same could be said of a staff member, a, a, uh, a spectator, a volunteer. Could you imagine being out there volunteering and then you get struck by lightning and all everyone says that's the thanks you get for being a volunteer. All right. That's enough of my soapbox. Uh, it just, just know people are working on that and it is all taken very seriously. When it was all said and done though, although it was close for a little while, Kristen Tatar pulls ahead in, in Kristen like fashion. Uh, I look, I see that she had the one bogey during hole number two, uh, which is funny that I don't even remember. Oh, she threw out of bounds. Uh, she had the one bogey on hole number two, and then nothing but pars and birdies from there on out. So kicked it into an extra gear, and then just kind of left everyone behind. <clears throat> uh, Missy Gannon, who's a previous champion of the event, she ended up taking second. She battled back hard to do so. Uh, she had she had four bogeys when it was all said and done, but battles to take second. And then we saw the the tie with Jennifer Allen, who's been playing great golf lately. Stacy Ronsley, who kind of pretty much had the weekend of her of her career so far uh with i mean she's won events before but nothing of of this scale and so for her to finish tie for third awesome uh and then she tied with macy Valadez, who we saw out there as well and then making some moves uh valerie mondahano we saw that she didn't quite have it all together coming off her injury last weekend at ddo so for her to go from 25th uh, into a tie for six. Very impressive. She tied Cat Merch. And then uh, the others in the top nine, well, I'll call it the top nine or rounding out the top ten, uh, included uh, Vanessa Van Dyken, who had a pretty solid weekend, Ella Hansen, and Paige Pierce. All three of them finishing in a tie for ninth, so taking uh, the, you know, the top ten spots. Congratulations. Uh, awesome. I will, uh, before I move on, I will quickly also make note of it. $12,250 for first place. Not too shabby. Believe it or not, that is Kristen Tatar's second largest payout of her career. Uh, of course, she won the Pro Tour Championship last weekend, $35,000. She won the World Championships last year, uh, which was a new record, and that was $11,000. Uh, over there in Emporia. So she won $11,000, which again is insane when I think about where where 
we were just a few years ago. She won 11 grand for taking down the world title. And then this weekend in Des Moines, her second largest payout of her career, $12,250. I, I, I don't know what else to say about that other than that's uh, incredible. Absolutely. Whoa! Hey! I also know that when I bring up my computer there, it looks like the volume's on. So, uh, just incredible. All right, we're going to move over to the men's side. They played just two rounds. Um, not to any fault of their own, of course. Uh, somebody says it's uh, 160,000 kruni. I think they use euros. So I'm, I know I made the joke in the reference more once or twice during that final round. 12,250 US dollars, I think, comes to about 11,000 euros right now. And I'm pretty sure in Estonia they use euros, but I could be wrong. I, I was wrong one other time. MPO side, it was a battle. Uh, Gannon Burr takes it down. It was really interesting to see because of the way it unfolded. The fact that he really knew what he needed to do to close out the last on the last couple of holes. That's not always the case. Rarely, I want to say rarely, does it feel like, I know we've had chase card winners, of course, but rarely does it feel like the, the hot score is in the clubhouse and then the the leader has to go and then obtain that, has to get to that score. That's what it feels like. It, because it, yeah, I don't know why. And somebody could correct me, but that's what it usually feels like. Either way, Gannon Burr knew exactly what he needed to do on the last few holes. And, of course, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but Isaac Robinson, who was looking so good and making this incredible charge, to have him then double the final hole, uh, uh, there's no one probably more shocked than him with that. But, yeah, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Just think if he doesn't double that final hole... What kind of pressures that changes for Gannon as he tries to close out his his round? Just knowing how much more a certain score is needed. Uh, he had a little bit of cushion, so to speak, going into the, to 17 and 18 because Isaac was essentially already in the clubhouse. So uh, Gannon Burr shoots 19 under. Uh, worth mentioning as well, 12000 $250. Now, I've got to wonder, because I didn't do the math, um, is that Gannon's second highest payout, or probably third? I'm going to guess, well, he didn't win the Tour Championship, so I'm going to guess USDGC was probably higher than that. I'm going to guess that was 15-ish thousand. Oh, uh, U.S. Oh, wow! Oh, shows how much I remember from just a year ago. Uh, Twenty-five grand. Holy cow! It was that much. I think back to the years when ten, twelve, and fifteen thousand was was the big number. Twenty-five grand. So yes, this was also his second largest paycheck of his career at uh, twelve thousand two hundred fifty dollars. Let me let me go back to last year though. What did he get at? What would have been the the, was the tour champion? The disco. Oh, see, I'm already wrong. Okay, that makes more sense. It was his third highest. He won fourteen thousand last year at the Pro Tour Championships presented by Barbasol. Put it on your face. He won fourteen thousand. I apologize. That's why it didn't sound right. So twenty five thousand for USDGC win. 
14,000 for the Tour Championship last year. And this this is now his third largest. He he got third at the at the uh, Barbasol event, the t- Tour Championship. So this is his third largest paycheck ever at twelve thousand two hundred fifty dollars. Not too shabby, I guess. Is that what someone would say? One hundred fifteen career events for Gannonburg, twenty eight wins. Uh, I think of how many of those came in the junior and other divisions. Uh, and then U.S. rank number two over there on the PDGA. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, Daddy, disc golf. I'm here for it. So, Gannonburg, your champ. Isaac Robinson uh, t- ends up holding on for dear life for second place. Greg Barsby, Calvin Heimberg, Ezra Robinson, and Gavin Babcock all tying for third. What did what did that come out to for each of them? Uh, some of those guys that I'm, I'm thinking might be some of their largest uh, paychecks or larger paychecks as well. I don't know how much that was for Ezra, but I'm sure that can't be a uh, a small sum. Uh, sorry, I'm going to do a little bit of research here. Um, okay. 7500 for Isaac for second. Barsby, Heimberg, Ezra, and Babcock all took 3225 apiece. Not too bad. Uh, Anthony Barella ties for seventh along with Simon Lazat. And rounding your, out your top ten, Kevin Jones in ninth. Chris Clemens and Brody Smith finish in tenth. I want to say... Uh, First of all, Brody jumped up seven spots in that final round. Chris Clemens jumped up 16. So both of them doing some pretty good work there. And uh, congrats to them both. And I want to say, I believe Brody posted saying that this might be his highest pro tour finish this year or maybe ever. Somewhere in that neighborhood. But nonetheless, congrats. Uh, Nice shooting by both of them. Taking a quick side note to that. Well, let's wrap up uh, the True Bank. Uh, congratulations to the staff, the crew, a ton of work, a ton of energy, all that effort. Uh, third year in a row with weather conditions that somehow altered or messed with the play. I live in Wisconsin. I'm, I'm only six hours from Des Moines. I don't think of weather being that volatile uh, in Wisconsin for us. And and maybe it is that much more so in Iowa. Of course, we're subject to winter, or not to winter, to winter storms, but also summer storms and heat and humidity. Not quite the way they pop up there. And it's even somewhat surprising to me. I mean, that weather is just generally not that much different than Wisconsin. Yet we've now had this terrible luck of three years in a row of being at the Des Moines Challenge and having this crazy weather. So fingers crossed next year, um, maybe everything goes smoothly. I don't think we can just say, well, let's change the date because you you have no idea. You have no idea uh, what's going to happen. I mean, this weekend, if you think about it, Friday was almost perfect, almost. Sunday was windy, but still good, and it was just Saturday. It was it was 12 or 14 hours of Saturday. That was madness. There, you can never pick a perfect time or a perfect day uh, at any point 
during a year. So, um, but best of uh, big thanks and just so much appreciation for everyone over at the event for continuing to keep everyone's safety in mind and push things forward. Uh, also, I think it was very timely that we saw the PDGA just in the last few weeks announce how there has been some adjustments to mid-round cancellations and to mid-round event changes. I thought some of those might come into play this weekend. They really didn't. They kind of move forward as if there was no adjustment to that policy, but there is a policy in place. And maybe that's the big takeaway here is if you're curious how it works or if you're at all concerned about it, just know there is a policy in place. This is not willy-nilly. This is not made up. This is not, you know, 100% the discretion of a sponsor or of a local club or of a particular TD. There are policies, there are procedures in place, and those just got somewhat amended in the last few weeks. So we have to default to the protocol. And, and I say all of that because I know there's a lot of people that say, well, why don't you just... Da, 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 da. Well, because there's protocol, there's policy. Like this, this is how it gets handled. Those may continue to evolve and change over the next few decades. I'm guessing they will, but just know there are such, you know, there are uh, written uh, solutions for how some of these challenges get handled and get dealt with. So, uh, and then as a quick segue to our side side note to that, just today. What are the odds that the Amateur World Championships taking place in Illinois, Peoria, Illinois, have been had been postponed uh, to some degree uh, indefinitely uh, for the day, and then some started back up. But the disc golf, or I'm sorry, the Am World Championships, Am and Junior World Championships today had an air quality uh, postponement. I think I've seen that once, and that was at the preserve from some Canadian wildfires. Uh, I've seen that once in the previous 30 years of disc golf, and now it's happened twice in the last two and a half or three years. What can you say about it? I Again, I applaud the PDGA. We're trying to keep juniors, and we're trying to keep everyone safe, but... Yeah, the air quality index, I think I heard today that it was uh, that anything over 200 uh, for an AQI is considered uh, unplayable and which they paused uh, Amworlds at some point today. I know in Wisconsin, just a, literally three hours north of, of where Peoria is uh, near my hometown, my daughter was saying that it, the air quality index hit like 334, which is dangerous and not good. So uh, will this at all impact? Did this roll through the preserve at all? I feel like if it did, it's probably passed now and it won't come into effect for us this weekend. Uh, I didn't see too many postings from the preserve, but I have to feel like they had some of it. They did a few years ago, but if it's already in... Peoria and Milwaukee, generally, assuming it's moving somewhat either west to east or even, you know, uh, north to south, I have a feeling that it has already moved past the preserve. Um, yeah, which is just incre incredible. And as Johnny B 
who's found the internet says uh, worst AQI in the world right now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or in that area. So maybe I'm glad I didn't go home for a few days. Sounds nasty. All right. Uh, so Amworlds, let's move over to that. Congratulations to, uh, again, Gannon Burr, Kristen Tatar. As I said to Gannon today, because I had him lined up last night, I said, I'm, we're excited to have you today. Johnny had the internet issue, so on and so forth. Uh, I said, don't worry. Uh, I know you've got plenty of wins uh, still in store, and it probably won't be long before we have you. You know, we can invite you back. Not that he has to win, but I know that's customary for us. So, uh, yes, thank you to Gannon for being both flexible and uh, agreeable to it all. So I'm going to type in, uh, well, let's let's do... I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with our, our normal protocol. Johnny V would probably go this way. Let's go to any other A tiers. Of course, we know that the uh, there was play on the other side of the world over there in Norway, taking place at uh, the Krokel the Krokel Open or in Krokel 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 the Krokel Open. I'm gonna take a quick click on that and just give you guys a few of the highlights in that. Bradley Williams took down Paul McBeth. Uh, Oyvind Yarnes out of Norway, excuse me, uh, took third. And uh, Silver Lot, who often is referred to as the significant other of Kristen Tatar. Silver finished fourth. Uh, Ilias Lukanen finished in a tie for fifth, along with Miro Rianen. Yeah. On the FPO side, those were your top uh, five. Uh, on the FPO side, uh, Silva Sarnin took first. Yeni Carpenin took second, Rachel Turton took third, Sophie B took fourth, and Luke Lorenzen took fifth. So those are your top five on the Norwegian at the Norwegian event. And hopefully you saw some of that. It was actually kind of crazy. During our rain delay or our weather delay, we went into the other room, brought up Disc Golf Network, and sat and watched action taking place in Norway. Somehow it didn't feel right, but nonetheless. San Francisco Safari taking place this weekend. Jeff Faze took down uh, that first place. Michael Powell took second, uh, along with uh, Leif Swenson. And Andrew Miranda took fourth. And then tying for fifth was Logan Ritter, Mike Sale, Jacob Blair. Blair. Uh, and then we saw Lewis Bittney. It's funny. I, I want... <laughs> I'll admit, I wanted to, immediately my mind went to almost call him Jakub Lahr when it's Jacob Blair. I've been reading a few too many uh, uh, Norwegian and Finnish and uh, European names because that was where my mind first went. Uh, on the FPO side, Owen Scoggins took it down. Uh, Jenny Umstead took second. Uh, Carissa Deadman took third. So congratulations. I know it was a good battle between Ray Johnson and Shasta Chris. Ray Johnson edged out Shasta in the MP40 side. So that's what you saw for the San Francisco Safari, supported by Enova. And I don't know if we had any other A-tiers that are... No other A-tiers are jumping out at me. So, even though there was uh, some postponing today, I want to jump down... Oh my gosh, we must have set a record for amount of uh, events... I want to jump down to what we're seeing at the PDGA AM and Junior Worlds real quick. I'm going to see if there's anything that jumps out at me. Uh, we see a great battle. Uh, North, uh, they're playing Northwood Black. I'm not sure where they played today. I could click on it. Um, doesn't tell me. Update update that, Nate Heinold. 
uh, Axel Olsen, Chuck Hoffman, and Carson Smith, a few of your guys that I see out in the front uh, in terms of your MA1A pool. Um, lots of other scores that still need to be submitted. Uh, FA1, currently, uh, I am seeing Hannah Lengel uh, out in front in first. So, all right. We'll see how they're doing. Let's jump over real quick. I just want to see if we got a few juniors to shout out. Hopefully they're having a good time. Uh, junior Worlds. Again, I know some groups got pulled off the course today. Uh, some got to go back out and play and some didn't. Uh, but I see there's at least two rounds that were recorded uh, for the MJ18 division. Uh, Judah Koistra? Kustra? Koistra. I'm guessing that's it. Where is Judah out of 951 rated uh, out of North Carolina? I'm, I'm guessing some of you guys are thinking, well, duh, I knew that. Uh, I did not. So uh, Judah, nice work. Uh, currently a three-stroke advantage. Lots of scores still out there. Uh, Jasper Worth. Jasper? Jasper? Worth uh, shows that there is a lead. And Therese Cuevas uh, has a sizable lead after two rounds, uh, shooting eight under. Next closest is two under. Daniel Mahine, Mahine uh, also has a one-stroke lead. Abigail Kowalski currently looks like there's not a full round in. And a couple others, yeah, that don't have full rounds in. Sarah Wadsworth's leading. Uh, Ryland Hag is leading. Genevieve Davis, representing Wisconsin. So of course, I'm a little biased. Um, and that's all I have for otherwise fully submitted scores. So, uh, And we'll talk a little bit more about that if you guys have comments. And people you know out there in the chat, uh, we can talk more about that in a moment. So best of luck. Uh, you know, call it a spiel that I could give every year, but AM Worlds, Junior Worlds, uh, any Worlds for that matter, of course, but AM Junior Worlds, what an awesome time, uh, especially more now than ever. We've got more courses, more players, more vendors, uh, more dialed in, you know, the technology, the way in which everything is run. It just, I hope everyone, no matter where you finish, hopefully you make some friends. I think about so many of the players because the world is just that it's bringing in people from literally all around the world and i think i saw 47 or 48 states maybe 17 countries represented i could go on and on and on about the amount of people that i've met in playing 20 different world championships i played four of them when i was still a teen moving into my early 20s and then I played 16 consecutive Pro Worlds. The people you meet, you know, this was also pre-internet, so it was a little bit, uh, some of these people were, you know, you didn't get to keep in touch with them the way we can now, but just the people you meet, the cultures, the way you see people handle themselves, the, inc the, the amazing terminology, the things you pick up when you're playing with somebody from another part of the country, and how they refer to a 
a, a, a forehand flick as a finger pop or, or uh, just all the different shots that you throw a shot and then somebody else on your card utters something about that shot or says something about it or, or whatever they say and it's a completely different term than you've ever heard for it. I, I just, I can't say enough. I mean, and that's just one tiny little example that I can think of uh, in terms of seeing these people. And then your fly marts, your, your dinners, your uh, social gatherings, you guys mostly have all gone through your, they've all gone through all the games, the putting competition, the distance competition, the edge, edge skill shot challenge, the mini golf those were all some of my favorite things. Playing golf was fun. Being there is great. But all of those additional things that you got to do uh, in a, uh, along with playing golf with all these people from all around the world, uh, I, just, I just can't say enough. It's funny because I'm just thinking about uh, all those various events. Um, I think I saw someone ask, my best finish? Uh, funny enough, quick story. When it was in my hometown, in, in, at the time, Appleton, Wisconsin, it was Friday night. My mother was getting remarried that night. Uh, or Yeah. And I was in a rush to get my round done. This was all pre-planned. But I was in a rush to get my round done and, uh, and head over to the, the gathering. We got done with the round. I drive back to my house, which is only 10 or 15 minutes away. And as I'm getting ready for the shower, and it's funny, I still do this to this day, uh, I'm in my bathroom getting ready for the shower, but I'm, I'm literally taking everything out of my pockets. I'm emptying out my pockets. I'm not going to be wearing those shorts again. I'm emptying everything out. And out of my back pocket comes the scorecard. The, the paper scorecard for the entire group. The only scorecard for the entire group. This was July 1998. Cell phones weren't really a thing. I mean, they were, but they weren't. And I, at that point, and this had already been now 30, 40 minutes since our round was over because I drove home, got, you know, getting stuff ready. Quickly showered, fastest shower ever. Uh, got in the car, drove straight downtown, which was only, again, 10 minutes away. Drove straight downtown to then come running in. And as I'm walking past some people doing some putting stuff and some other uh, qualifying events that were going on. And there might have been the Fly Mart and some other stuff or whatever was going on. And people are like, hey, they're trying to, they were trying to look for you. So-and-so was trying to call you. Where you been? Da -da -da -da. Well, I run in to the, the scoring room at the hotel at the time and hand in the scorecard to which I'm notified, hey, well, thanks for turning it in, but um, you and the rest of your card are getting a two-stroke penalty. All four of you get a two-stroke penalty. You get your final score plus a two-stroke penalty. Those are the rules. Of course, I feel terrible. Da -da -da -da. We fast forward just to find out me and a couple others missed the semifinals because of that. I made a few enemies. I think a couple to this day, which is too bad. They should probably get over it. I'm not I'm not dismissing what I did. I made an honest mistake as a 18, 18, 19 year old, 17 year old, whatever I was. 
20 year old actually yeah I would have been 20 um yeah that that was terrible and to this day since 1998 so uh what is that 20 25 years later I've never made that mistake again and I feel like every single person has a chance to make one of those mistakes once not that you want to but when you do you never do it again so when you're done, and now things are different because of all the digital scoring, but the big rule was when you're done, you walk that other person up to the scoring tent. You make sure they hand in the scorecard because it's the responsibility of the group. Yes, everyone could yell at me and was mad at me personally. In theory, they could have been personally mad at themselves too, to some degree. And I'm not saying I didn't make the mistake. I did. But at the time, it's the responsibility of the group to make sure your card is turned in. And uh, so what happened was we got done with the round. We added up the scores. And I meant to stop at Tournament Central, which was on the other side of the park. I totally spaced out on it, and I went home. And hence, that's when I found the scorecard. So, yeah, that's uh, needless to say, that's a mistake, uh, like I said, that you should only make once in your life, if ever. And um, it's just another moment, another memory um, for them. Uh, Ryan says, you should have changed all the scores by two before you got there. <laughs> uh, that, that would have been a clever workaround. Um, but no. <laughs> Thankfully, I never even thought about touching, touching the actual scorecard <laughs> score-wise. <laughs> That's it's funny enough, Ryan. No one's ever said that or suggested as much. But no. Um, you want to talk about feeling like the worst of the worst though, you know, and somebody threatened to beat me up the next day, uh, got in my face, got in a few other people's faces and was threatening, you know, to fight me over it. Uh, I think he's currently permanently suspended from the PDJ, not from that, but from something else many years later, but that, so maybe that tells you another story, but, uh, Billy Crump was right there. Billy Crump was ready to, he stepped in and was ready to throw fists with this gentleman, um, on my behalf and in my defense, and uh, it was it was uh, incredible. So, anyway, turn in your scorecard, people. <laughs> You're responsible, you know. And, and and honestly, fast forward to just fast forward, rewind to a few weeks ago. Holland Hanley had her scorecard turned in, and at at the Portland Open, turned in her scorecard. And then as she was driving away, later realized like, no, there there wasn't. There's something not right with. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My score, you know, we, it was submitted ultimately as a, as a five, I think a par five at the time. She goes, there's, or as a birdie or whatever it was, it was incorrectly submitted. She went back, counted through, talked to her card mates and said, no, this isn't the right score. So in that case, she actually got the correct score and then a two-stroke penalty on top of it. As she later said, it cost her 20 bucks. That could have cost her a win. That could have, excuse me, there's a lot of ways to look at that. And what it could have, should have, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and all those other things, those other cliches. But she absolutely did the right thing. Uh, and we can't commend her and applaud her enough, you know, realizing as she was driving away from the course, she was given a better score than what she actually scored. And uh, she wasn't going to let that stand, and that cost her two strokes in terms of a penalty because she was given the incorrect score plus two, or she had turned in the wrong score, so you get the correct score plus two. Now, some would say, oh, that doesn't seem fair. She did the right thing. She also didn't turn in the right score, so you can understand why you have to you know, provide the penalty. I think others have said, in, I'm pretty sure in the PGA, if that were to happen, I'm pretty sure you're just flat out disqualified from the event entirely. Uh, is what somebody told me years ago. I can't speak to that, but anyway, there's a world story for you. Uh, one of countless, countless worlds. That was 1998. That was just my third amateur world championships of all time. Uh, back when I was um, a little bit younger, a little bit, a little bit thinner too. Let's move on to uh, quickly talking about the preserve. I'm not, uh, I'll just tell you, I don't have a lot to discuss when it comes to the preserve other than uh, hopefully the air quality. I just said that air quality is going to remain decent enough for us to be able to get through. Uh, So there shouldn't hopefully be any problems there. Um, And I don't know if we have anything that's out of the ordinary. I mean, I'm just for giggles, I thought I'd look at the U disc win probability. Obviously, nothing has started. And uh, maybe interesting to note that right now it shows Waisaki and Heimberg both with the highest win probabilities at 14%, and Gannon Burr at 12%, Orem at 9 Dickerson at 9 and then it has Eagle McMahon at 6 I think that would be uh, somewhat inaccurate because I don't believe Eagle's going to be there. But that's just what I'm reading off of the preserves uh, U-Disc stuff. Kristen Tatar listed <laughs> this almost um, I don't want to say almost feels insulting, but Kristen Tatar is listed currently at a 62% win probability. Katrina listed at 7%. Paige Pierce listed at 7%. Missy Gannon at 6%. So the the next three and then Valerie's at 4%. So 10 and 14 is 24. So 24% goes to the next four women. 62% win probability in favor of Kristen Tatar. Again, Kristen's started 11 events this year. She's won seven of them. Highest rated woman in the world by everyone's metric and standard. Dominating in so many possible ways. It's It would be hard, obviously, to bet against her. Uh, the only the only other thing I'll chime in. Someone asked um, Natalie Ryan's odds. Um, you know, and I, I I don't know how serious or genuine that reference is, or may if uh, I don't know if she's actually listed. I'm gonna guess she's not listed on. Uh, no, not listed on the site uh, at all. 
Um, but I the the quick touch I will do here is that it was just made known recently that uh, Natalie Ryan has filed what I, I I'm understanding is like another injunction. Uh, similar to what she did in California, I am not going to pretend to know all the legalese. I, I I barely caught wind of the story at all in in my sense at all, so I'm not going to speak anything more on it. But I'm going to guess that it has a very similar feel to what it does in California, or it did. Um, there's been some precedent in in Minnesota. I think it was known earlier in the year that. Uh, that Minnesota might be another place uh, where something of this could be filed or possibly happen. I've known that much. Uh, I know there was a situation uh, and a lawsuit regarding a power lifter that had created some precedent earlier in the year. Again, I'm not going to claim to know all or any of those details. I just know of uh, or heard of a situation uh, or a lawsuit that kind of was within the same realm uh, I'm sure, obviously, details and and whatnot different, but somewhere within the same realm of that. Uh, right now, she's not listed on UDISC, um, and I, I have no idea where this will go. I don't know the timeline. Here we are sitting on a, on a Tuesday night at, you know, roughly 10 o'clock Central, when this, uh, which is where the event will be, is Tuesday night, 10 o'clock Central. You're talking about... Wednesday and Thursday, potentially having something be uh, overturned or, or injuncted or whatever the word might be or, or you know, addressed. Uh, again, yeah, I believe Disc Golf Law has a video out there. Obviously, him being a lawyer and this being his uh, forte, you're going to get probably more than enough uh, from over there. So that's what I would encourage you. Um, as of now, not shown on the registration. And not on UDISC, let me be very clear, not on UDISC as I'm looking at it. Uh, if that changes, if something comes about, I'm going to be in the booth this weekend. I will be there with Zoe and uh, Valerie Jenkins. So obviously, if anything comes about where it is be uh, it becomes known that something changes from that or deviates from where we're at, then um, it, it will get addressed and then probably talked about or discussed uh, with regards to this weekend. Uh, I would assume there, there, and there may be an update, I'm guessing, come Thursday at the press conference, whether that's from a Kale LaVisca or from a Disc Golf Pro Tour representative. I'm assuming there will be some update that gets provided uh, directly from the press conference. And, and maybe the update is that nothing's happening, or maybe the update is that something has changed. I have no idea. Again, that's almost almost 40 hours away from now, so a lot can change between now and then for us to find out come press conference. So that's all I can. Uh, that's all I can state on that. What I will state, something I know a little bit more about, and I thought about doing a drop zone, but I, it just it ran out of the time. Is you guys have seen um, the rumblings of uh, of a lawsuit, uh, a lawsuit that was uh, made public, uh, that you can go out and read for yourself. But uh, if I if I quickly paraphrase. Uh, a gentleman in Florida who had played at the Throw Down the Mountain event uh, was hit. Uh, this is everything I've been told, just to be clear, um, but uh, was hit by a disc in the head uh, during what I believe was his final round of competition. And uh, at 
my understanding is that no point did he uh, reach out to the tournament director and uh, and or the PDGA to go through any channels of, I'll say for lack of a better term, creating an incident report and or reporting it uh, directly to the tournament director or to the tournament staff and to the uh, the PDGA. Uh, the PDGA, of course, I've, I've kind of harped on this for a while. The PDGA has, if you are a sanctioned event, you have insurance. Uh, it's usually like the phrasing they throw around is like a one and two mil policy, one mil. I, I don't know all the details to it, but I know you you um, you have a, a pretty extensive standard insurance policy. If you were to go run a, a kid's soccer tournament or go to run a hundred other things, a lot of them would require a policy that somewhat mimics or mirrors what you'd find from this PDGA's policy. Um, and this has been going on for decades. So there is a policy. So if if something were to get something were to happen at an event uh, at, where a potential insurance claim would need to be filed, that's immediately what you do. You'd reach out to the tournament director, and or to the PDGA. They would, I believe, they send you to a link or even just a downloadable document, and you fill it out. And that's why we have insurance. Um, it's it's an added cost for the tournament directors to get that proof of insurance. I get them for every single tournament that I run. Uh, the few municipalities where I run tournaments say, I, we must see this document. Um, sometimes you can, well, not sometimes, sometimes uh, additionally insured can be also added to this document. I believe in this case, you probably saw something like the the landowners, you know, Dylan and Paul were on the document on, on this insurance policy. And I'm assuming then Sun King is also on the document uh, under this insurance policy. So that's what you see for an insurance policy that's a standard insurance policy that t- takes place at every single PDGA event. You got to go through the channels. And if you just read, you know, even... Um, read even a little bit online uh, what sounds like some of the people that were in charge, it doesn't sound like those channels were were addressed and, and had gone through them. And I, I just feel like, I guess if I had an analogy, and although it might not be a good one, if, if, if me and somebody else got in a car accident, you wouldn't drive home, say nothing to no one, not report it, not call your insurance, not you know, uh, reach out to the other person's insurance, not create a police report, not do like all of these things. And then uh, a month later, like call up the city and say, hey, I had a problem. And I, and I know that's not a perfect analogy. I'm just saying like, you, you take, you know, they talk about pre- everything you do. You, you, you hear things like paper trails, going through the right channels, taking it up the ladder, all those other cliches, those are all there for a reason. And what struck me from everything that I've gathered is it doesn't appear that a lot of those things have been done. So it's kind of hard to go from one level to then skip two or three additional levels if that's in fact what happened. Paul Macbeth and Dylan Cease were uh, named on this lawsuit. And of course, uh, I think a lot of people are saying, well, they're named on the lawsuit because they may have the deepest pockets. Um, And that may or may not be true. What I find crazy about it is like, again, you still have to go through the proper channels to get, you know, possibly even to the point of lawsuit. And I'm not saying that you can't go, you can't circumvent certain ways, 
However, I feel like if when you do circumvent it and you just kind of go rogue as to how you're going about it, I, I feel like it loosens or lightens the credibility of the overall situation. That's that's how I feel about it. Again, I'm not a lawyer. This should be of no legal consultation to anyone. You guys are pretty aware of this. Uh, but that's what I've been seeing. Uh, the, you know, the gentleman that's filed the lawsuit I, is obviously not a secret out there. Uh, Trevor Tahones, I believe is how it's pronounced, uh, runs local route. Uh, the, the, it's called local route, uh, disc golf shop down in Florida. And, uh, you've seen the memes. I, I'm not going to go on and harp or blast or, or really take this any, anywhere past all of that. Clearly we'll have to see how things shake out. What I think is, a couple of my big takeaways, though, are this. I disagree with the sentiment of lawsuits can't happen in disc golf. Just generically, I will say that. Lawsuits can happen, and I hate to say it, lawsuits should happen in the right situations when warranted. If I created a product, I'm just going to make up some examples. If I create this incredible product and I have a trademark or a patent or whatever, and then somebody's going out and and stomping on that or ignoring it, or somebody's doing me wrong legally, and they don't stop it uh, through the proper channels, then yes, I can understand how a lawsuit happens. I don't have a problem with the concept of a lawsuit. Unfortunately, we all know a lawsuit feels like it should be a last resort for a lot of things. I, I'm not suggesting anyone be so happy. The concept of a lawsuit, I'm okay with. Does, does this situation sound like the right channels and the right steps were taken? To me, it doesn't. Again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not counsel. I'm not a judge. I'm not a jury. Just at face value from everything else I've seen, it doesn't sound like this is a situation where uh, all of a sudden a lawsuit popping up seems like it was handled uh, above water, I guess, so to speak. So, I, But I will say, like, it's possible. And here's, my, here's the example I was thinking of with, with regard to this property. Yes, of course, you're taking an inherent amount of risk anytime you're stepping on a disc golf course. We all know that. You go to a city park... You go to a private course. You go anywhere. You're taking a certain degree of risk going on to every single course. And little spoiler alert, just to kind of maybe emphasize my point, what do all of the back of Innova's newly, freshly molded discs say? I'll, I'll wait in the comments for you guys to answer that. There's, Or I'm sorry, not not on the back of what they're molded. I, excuse me. What is the sticker on I th- almost every Innova disc say? right now on the back. I'll pause, let you think about that, and then put it in the comments. Gross negligence and negligence, $29.99, that's actually pretty funny, for disc golf use only. Thank you. My whole point to that is that that is done for some legal reason. They're not doing it uh, because uh, because their 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 buyers were confused, they're doing that as some form of legal protection, right? Like they weren't just like, oh man, we've been selling millions of frisbees. 
Maybe you should clarify and put the sticker on the back that, that says for disc golf use only. That's not what they were thinking at Innova. Clearly, that has some legal implication. Can it stand? I don't know, but I'm just saying. Anyway, so that was my example. Now, here's what I'll say. Gross negligence is gross negligence. Here's a, you go, you're playing in a public park. You throw your shot. You shank it. None of you guys would do that. You're all smashies. But let's say your friends who don't watch Smashbox, uh, who aren't very good, shank it. Throws it straight into a car window that then creates an accident. You're going to get sued. Probably. You're probably going to get sued. The course designer might get sued. The city might get sued. And I'm not suggesting those are all good things. But if there is absolute negligence or disregard, you may have a case when it comes to a lawsuit. So I'm, I don't... I don't blanketly or blatantly or, or in a blanket statement just say, I detest lawsuits. There's no way there should ever be one. There never can be. And you're the worst person in disc golf if there's a lawsuit. I, I do not agree with any of that. I Things happen. And sometimes a lawsuit's what's needed. Again, I'll go back to the example that you signed the waiver when you signed up for Throat on the Mountain. It says, hey, I'm going to play in this event on Disc Golf Scene. I'm signing off. Uh, here's my waiver. Gotcha. Perfect. You also then sign a waiver when you get, to the, you get to the course. When you pull into that property, you sign a piece of paper. You put on a wristband, which they strictly enforce, saying that you've signed that piece of paper. That's, that's everyone's indication. Where you again sign a waiver saying, hey, I'm signing a waiver here. And then all of a sudden, you go out to hole 18, the beautiful throw down the mountain, top top shot, and Mike Barnett, and I'm going to just call him out as an example, uh, Mike Barnett has created a brand new tee pad, and it's 20 feet long, and it's hanging out over the cliff. And Mike Barnett and his crew built this tee pad, Think of like a deck or a platform. And they build it poorly with bad wood. Is there negligence there? Did he not take care of you? Did you sign the waivers? Like, you see where I'm going with this? Like, so I'm not saying every situation is crazy. I'm not saying, uh, you know, there, there can, you know, everyone should just suck it up. Somebody fell, somebody got hit in the head, somebody this, somebody... I'm not saying you should always just suck up every scenario. And I'm also not saying, hey, there's... Nobody can ever... Nobody else can ever be at fault. There's like a fine, reasonable line there, right? And this is a very unique situation in which he got... Uh, Trevor had got hit in the head... Doesn't seem like he's gone through a bunch of the channels and or the, the typical protocols or procedures and then ultimately has filed the suit. Who knows where it's going to go? Again, we've got a lot of lawyers, I'm sure, out there on the board uh, or that think they're lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. It'll be interesting to see what happens of this. Does it pass a few of the, the initial smell tests? I think in the court of public opinion, it hasn't. There's been a lot of people that have been really, really uh, not in favor of how this has gone down. And I can understand that. I have not talked to Trevor. 
I don't know his position. I, I'm sure there's more to it that we haven't been fully made aware of. Uh, I know his Google review and some of his other stuff has been have been getting pounded. I'm sure he's be, been getting probably some kind of threats or or terrible calls, which I I don't feel like we sh you know people should not be um, harassing him uh, to the point of other where other legal ramifications could come about. Um, but certainly in the court of public opinion, he has not done himself a lot of favors by the way this has unfolded. Um, that's not to say he's right or wrong, but right now it is not it is not passing the smell test for most people. So. I guess it'll be interesting to find out how it goes. Um, you know, I, I think one of the biggest questions would be is if this all happened, him getting hit in the head, which is terrible uh, and unfortunate, if that happens and and it's still the previous landowner, uh, Suzanne, or Susan is her name, um, Suzanne, does does the does he still proceed the same way? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, does this feel like a case of, hey, I know who owns the property now and I'm going to go after them just to try and get the money because I think I can get it out of them easier or better? Maybe. I think that's what a lot of people are assuming. I don't know if that's part of his logic. Um, that I can't really say. I mean, you you do, some of us, as someone says it's Florida, but um, you do see a little irony that, and it's not, a, it's not a funny irony, really, but the fact that someone was hit from above on a higher platform in all places being Florida. Like, you know, I know we always make the joke, like, obviously it's not a real mountain in the first place. Uh, so the fact that elevation came into play on, on this uh, particular situation does does uh, provide just an ounce of, of irony, in my opinion. Uh, and my understanding is that was one of the non-pro weekends, or none of the not, not the super gold, black, orange layout, whatever. Uh, so if you're familiar, many of you have seen hole number 11. I believe a gentleman was throwing off of hole number 11, which is kind of that tweener, par 3, par 4, where Macbeth, uh, the pro tour, took my footage, and then you know Macbeth parked it on the first hole or on the first round uh, for an eagle to like six feet away. So it's that T area, but was the, the throw was made and it went down uh, into uh, the, I don't know, one of the, the fairway. And um, somebody, Trevor, was either in between or near a fairway he wasn't really playing and it's it kind of you know we could argue about where fairways start and finish on some of those holes uh which fairway is which but um you know he's played that course it's funny because just uh, a few days ago what popped up on my feed was uh when a picture of myself paul mcbath and trevor all during a practice round out there that trevor had posted said oh i you know hung out with terry and and Paul, and um, now obviously Paul's part of that lawsuit. So that's what I can say about it. You got you guys have seen probably even way more than I have. I, I did have a little bit of clarity that was provided to me uh, in general, but um, I, clearly we're going to wait to see how it all plays out. So I think I've spent more than enough time on it. Uh, I I don't know who wins here. Um, what I will say though is. 
is it may set a really terrible precedent uh, or not. And maybe, maybe, it sets a, maybe it sets a great precedent um, with regard to safety, with regard to uh, control. Um, you know, there's, there was a gentleman that threw the disc. Um, you know, where, where, does, where does an individual's fault lie, of course, you know, as I use the example of throwing into a car or oncoming traffic or something like that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think if you're at a golf course, I'll say a ball golf, a golf course, you smack a ball that goes off the course and into the windshield of a car, like you're, you're liable, like you're responsible for that. That is still ultimately your hit of the golf ball. And I, I, what precedent has or hasn't been set for disc golf is to be determined, but there's, there's a number of factors here and I, uh, I'll be interested to see how it all is going to play out. Uh, someone says he threw a disc that didn't come from that local route store. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't know if there's a lot else, excuse me, of pressing news that isn't, quote-unquote, more editorial. Um, again, uh, someone says Dylan Cease will never invest in disc golf again. Watch. I don't. I, first of all, we have to see how it gets played out. I think a lawsuit could get dropped. I think it could go somewhere. It could get um, withdrawn. I, I I don't know where any of that's gonna what that's gonna happen. Clearly, it's gonna get already certainly tie up people and resources. I mean that that sucks. Um, yeah, I yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, one other thing I did want to quickly touch on, and I'm hoping that there's, again, no issues with it going down tomorrow. I know there's going to be some kind of big distance competition taking place at the Preserve tomorrow, and I unfortunately don't have it in front of me. Uh, but I, I know it was taking, uh, it was going to be a big deal, or it is a big deal, and it will be happening. Uh, now I'm going to go look for it. So, But I'm sure you guys have already seen about it, so maybe I don't need to drive it home anymore for you. It looks like some new baskets are coming into the preserve. We've seen a few of the, um, we've seen a few uh, upgrades. Kale, Paul Ullman, the rest of that crew doing work out there, no surprise. Uh, excuse me. Yes, yeah, so it looks like uh, Whole One's Tea had gotten a uh, little bit of a makeover. So that is awesome. Um, and there's some other things out here. Uh, it is worth noting, and you know we talked about this kind of privately off air this weekend. It is worth noting that although Bradley Williams went over there and won in Norway, Bradley Williams won't be here to defend his title this weekend. And obviously, uh, he feels like Norway, his significant other, and everything else that's going on over there. Uh, I don't want to say it's more important, but clearly he's prioritizing, which I'm not passing any judgment on. I, I thought it was just interesting to note, Bradley Williams won the first ever Disc Golf Pro Tour event of all time. The very first one to ever officially exist, Maple Hill. Um, the Maple Hill, I don't even know what it was called at the time. MVP Open by Maple Hill, Maple Hill Open Challenge, Vibram, something rather. Whatever it was, he's had 38 different names. But he won the very first ever. Six years later to the day, he won the Preserve. That was a pretty cool fact last year. And uh, now he's not there to, to defend his title this year. So 
I, then again, he just won uh, over Macbeth by a stroke a few days ago. So he's made, he's obviously has other priorities, which is uh, which is awesome to see. So uh, I thought I'd I'd make mention that although Bradley Williams maybe was a sleeper or a super good pick last year, not so much this year. My professional <laughs> my professional fantasy disc golf advice: don't pick uh, Bradley Williams for this year. Is he undefeated in Europe, Bradley Williams? Um, I don't. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if this is his first time over there. I don't feel like it was. Someone else. I do want to make a quick note of this. This was on my list that I didn't write. In what I considered shocking news, one Simon Lazat posted yesterday that he is not. I repeat, not going to the European Open, and I'll read it for you. I've officially dropped out of the 2023 Open next month, uh, European Open next month. Due to a number of factors, my team and I have decided it's best for me to cancel my plans for Europe this year. I'm very sad I'll be missing out on this amazing event. I'll be working hard in the month of July on other projects that are very exciting for me and need some extra attention. Sorry, Finland, I will be back next year. Somebody else just posted a moment ago. WTF? Wow. Like, just no lie. That's crazy to me. Um, It's a major. It's this insane market. It's closer to his home, uh, his native land. I, I, I am not judging it. Let me be very clear. Do whatever you want. That doesn't mean it's not surprising. I want him to do what's best for him, his family, his his contracts, whatever. It's just still shocking to me. Now, if if there is any hint of possible injury, again, totally understand it. Not Not surprised at all. But... To not go to one of our majors, which he obviously has uh, a legitimate shot at winning, to not attend and to continue to uh, re-emphasize the the new MVP branding and all of the fans and everything that goes along with it, um, just shocking. I, I I hold no ill will. I'm not going. Uh, I hold no ill will. Uh, and nor am I going to get worked up about it. And I, I haven't been and I won't be. I'm just truly shocked. Um, and I hope, I assume, let me put it that way. I assume whatever he's doing is obviously, as he said, more crucial and or uh, just in front of him on his plate. But yeah, so I'd be curious to know what you guys, I know you guys are saying he has a life. I, I get all that. I, again, I'm I'm good with it. I'm just still shocked. Um, someone says he's got a mill a year contract for 10 years roughly and a new baby and his job is secure. It's not working through the best part of being a new dad just because that's the norm. He is German. All, all valid. Absolutely valid. I mean, it's the, it's the travel. It's the jet lag. It's the... Uh, Acclimating once you get there, it's the acclimating once you come back. 
you're talking probably about playing the three rounds at uh, PCS. You're talking about the four rounds at least. Obviously, we're just talking about straight competition. The four rounds of competition during the uh, the European Open. You're talking about the President's Cup uh, to play in that on the day the day or two before it. Uh, media obligations, uh, practice, and then all the practice rounds. I get all of that. Keep using that same word, surprised. You're 10-12 rated. You're not having your best year. Your name's not Simon. Like, I'm less surprised by that. But, yeah. All right, what is he doing here that takes precedent? He mentioned projects. They can't refer to fatherhead. It could. I mean... We don't know. He's not going on the coolest ever summer trip with his wife and family and, and, and son. Maybe. Um, maybe there's a media project. Maybe there's something at that MVP is that MVP is just uh, launching the grid, biggest, greatest something or other. I, I could speculate all day long. Um, I really could uh, as to what other things are. Um, you know, he's, he's signing, uh, moving and signing this contract for the greatest disc golf sports complex on the planet that he's about to move on to. I, I'm making all this up, but so I'm, it could be anything. Um, he's opening a brewery to compete with us. No, that, that much I know he is not doing. Um, no. Big <laughs> Pro Troll says there's a big dart tournament. <laughs> maybe. Um, who knows? Uh, maybe he's been asked to be on a reality TV show or any other TV show or sporting program. Or I, You guys can go ahead and speculate. I, I don't know how much news that made. I saw it hit his Facebook, and that's why it, it had blown me away. Coincidentally, also on his Instagram, I'll quickly read what I referenced earlier. The gotta go, gotta throw... With Disc Golf Pro Tour and Prodigy Disc present the Preserve Distance Invitational. Uh, that is taking place Wednesday the 28th. Um, come hang out with your favorite pros. It shows Ezra Aderhold, Anthony Barella, Gannon Burr, Alex Geisinger, who some of you don't, excuse me, uh, may not know, and Double G. Um, it also says, and see who wins the distance competition. And then it also shows Adam Hammes. Kevin Jones, Simon Lazat, Albert Tom, and David Wiggins. So there you go. I'm not going to lie. I wish I was in Minnesota for that. I really do. So, best of luck. All right. I think um, I think here's what I'm going to do. And I don't know if Johnny will break these up later. I don't know how good the quality is going to be in the first place uh, since I uh, had to rush to get to where I was at here tonight uh, to get this all up and running for you guys. Uh, I'm going to just take a quick, very quick break. Um, stand down for just a moment. I'll come back with what I'll, I'll call an after show. I'll answer a bunch of things off the board for you guys and uh, talk in an after show type scenario. And uh, we'll kind of go from there. I don't think I have anything cool to do <laughs> to, to, to log me off my after show. Do that to you. Oh, hey, if you want to know what happened here, we can talk about that. 
All right, I'm going to stand down for just a few seconds. I'll be right back. Uh, if this is the end of the regular podcast for you, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I hope I threw enough info at you to make it interesting. Congratulations again, Kristen Tatar, along with Gannon Burr, a couple of names we've been saying quite often, and I think a couple of those names will continue to keep saying because of uh, their just incredible efforts. Huge shout out to the entire Des Moines crew, along with the Disc Golf Pro Tour, the Disc Golf Network, and all the people that had to keep everything rolling there in Des Moines, uh, and everyone in Norway who you know, made that event everything that it was so everybody can enjoy it. I'm going to stand down for literally 60 seconds or so. I'll come right back, and then we'll have the after show. Uh, Next week, we'll have double giveaways, of course, where I can uh, send out some more stuff to you guys. So for me, Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy, that's been Smashbox TV's podcast 461. I'll see you in a few minutes for the after show when you step inside the Smashbox. If you'd like your name displayed on the credits, something or other, blah, 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 I'd tune out Johnny B's voice by now. All right. I will be right back.